pitch. There's a ball rocketed out into right center. This is going to be up, up and away into the upper deck near the scoreboard. That's the mound behind the bag in second. Rojas slides, has it, throws the first, and got him. What a play. Thursday, March 28th, hello and welcome to this very special opening day edition of Beyond the Bases. I'm Daniel Comer, and on today's podcast, I sit down with Marlins executive chef Michael Fenizia, who spent the better part of the last year improving the culinary options at Marlins Park. Chef Michael tells us about the research that went into the reimagined ballpark culinary experience and what foodie fans can expect to see, smell, eat, and Instagram this season and beyond. Before we hear from Chef Michael, I want to remind everyone listening that if you've missed anything in recent weeks, head to marlins.com slash podcasts, or you can subscribe to the Miami Marlins podcast on any of your supported devices. I am here with Michael Fenizia, executive chef for Marlins Park. Michael, can you take us through what are some of the changes that we'll see at Marlins Park from a culinary perspective this season? Well, the culinary imprint this year for 2019 season has been a great culmination of all the fans' feedback from last year. So there's a lot of excitement going towards this. This starts with some of the uh, imprint that we've put onto the promenade, which has a whole new portfolio of partners uh, from the local community to uh, energize our promenade level to the general audience. Um, We've got partnerships with such uh, businesses of Pincho, uh, Novacento, Suviche, um, Jose Andreas, and we have also Miami's Best. So these are all just a, a snapshot of some of the new partnerships that we have coming in this year that have been uh, great additions to our ballpark uh, enhancements. Now, that's just kind of a, a starting point because we also did a lot of enhancements ourselves internally when we look at the entire footprint of the ballpark. We added a new uh, space for our change-up, which is uh, really to bring the local community of chefs out and showcase a lot of the great talent we have here in South Florida. This will be a rotational invitation to local chefs and partners and things like that that will be able to allow them to feature something that is of their brand and bring an experience to the ballpark that might never have been seen before. The idea there also is that this could be another format of where we find our next partner in our next season, if we can find that perfect partner as we start going forward with that. Um, The concessions format also has a a wonderful new market space called El Marquerito, presented by Pepsi. Uh, This will actually be a grab-and-go space featuring fresh products, um, Pepsi products also. Um, This will also have our gluten-friendly items, and it'll be a a very easy walk-up, grab-and-go kind of space. So let's say it's opening day. I'm a fan. I'm wandering around the ballpark. I've heard all about the reimagined culinary experience throughout the offseason. What are some of the items that I should be tasting on opening day? Um, we've got uh, a new set of uh, inspired items out at the Sweets, which is our ice cream parlor style um, concept. We have a, a fantastic sweet cereal crusted pretzel. Uh, this is a hand rolled pretzel. This has gotten a lot of uh, great pro- publicity f- with us over the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. And then, you know, you can't really go wrong when you start thinking about uh, Bubble waffle 
Cracker Jack Sunday. This is one of those things that brings me back to my memories as a kid eating Cracker Jacks at the ballpark with my, my grandparents and stuff like that. And it was, it was the perfect way of bringing a ballpark experience and something memorable to what we have here. And these are all the great things that are, are available on the concourse. Um, we've got the Auto Nation alley deck right there in that area so it's going to be a great place to catch an ice cream and watch some some ball from the outfield and then uh we've got the change up right next to our standing room only space which is really gonna be able to give a new experience for those who want to mingle and have a great time and try some new stuff um we've got a lot of other uh exciting portfolio uh concepts we've got a change of the foul pole right there on first base which has got a all chicken kind of experience which is we've got uh, uh, maple aioli crispy chicken and bubble waffle experience there a uh, nice walking item to have uh, definitely plays on the original chicken and waffle feel with great grade a maple um, and then we've got top dog which was a fun concept this year this is one we rolled out a little bit during our fan fest which our fans got to pick a lot of the items in that stand. We actually were able to produce uh, many different varieties of hot dogs, and our fans are the ones that actually voted on which topping went to this actual stand. So um, we've spent a lot of time this year looking to find out exactly what our fans are looking for and what kind of experience we can bring to them. We want it to be as great as what they've had before and better. And we want to bring that Miami vibe to our stadium so they have a great experience. For you, when did you take over as executive chef? And what were some of the things that you were tasked with immediately when it came to rebuilding at the culinary experience at Marlins Park? Well, the experience I started was uh, late December of 2017, uh, just after our new ownership joined us. And uh, there was a new directive, basically, to elevate and accentuate what we could do here at the park, whether it was an MLB or whether it was in group sales, whether it was um, concert, whether it was convention style. We wanted to make sure that that this ballpark was the epicenter of Miami. Um, so my experience played very well with that, actually. Uh, I came with a long background over 30 years in the South Florida markets so of opening independent restaurants from scratch, brick and mortar, um, to an extensive uh, long tenure with luxury hotels and opening hotels. Uh, most recently, I came, came out of the catering world where luxury catering of celebrities, politicians, presidents, presidential nominees were just a normal day of life for me um, with a lot of gala focus and, and such like that. So my repertoire fit very well with where the, the ballpark was trying to go. And, and we've been able to succeed by pairing some of that uh, direction with the fan base uh, information. And we've gotten all new experiences throughout the park, even into suites group sales, and, of course, our premium space of the Dex Imaging Club space that we have behind home plate. How did you learn to cook? Well, my, my actual first experiences of, of cooking, and, and probably the reason for my love of what I've, I've come to, has been from my childhood memories. Uh, many of times I can be 
probably just old enough to walk and remember picking green beans or being in the field, grabbing uh, fresh raspberries or strawberries, things like that. Um, I, I don't think I ever had a canned vegetable until I was probably at college. And every meal was uh, uh, a meal that was made from scratch. So where are you from? Like, where, where were you picking the, the berries in, in the fields? Even though I consider myself a, a native South Floridian, especially since uh, I've been on in South Florida for over 35 years, I was born in the, in the New England, Boston region uh, for a short period of time and, and, and traveled a little bit with the success of my parents uh, to Ohio. But primarily, uh, Miami has been what I call home. And where, were you, where did you get your training? So where did you get your chef training? Well, I was introduced to the kitchens very early on. Uh, my my first role was in a small pizzeria, uh, learning uh, what to do in a restaurant because I actually started from the very ground up as a dishwasher, which gave me a great backbone for the work ethic that comes through. Um, the primary feel of that was actually that, you know, as, as I learned uh, a special skill set, I was always challenged to try to go to the next level. So I always spent my life just looking at the next level up to see how I could achieve that. And that's where many of the actual successes came. So from that short period at the uh, Italian restaurant, when I first started and, and into corporate America, I was, I was basically uh, introduced to the culinary world as the culinary schools of, of Johnson & Wales actually broke ground here in South Florida. So when the school actually uh, finished its construction phases there, um, I was actually able to go to the first uh, inaugural class of Johnson & Wales here in North Miami and was a graduate of 1995. And ever since, um, I've been able to pair up with great, great, great chefs, um, many of them uh, master chefs, German master chef, French master chefs. Um, I, I was able to fortunately work with uh, the 40, uh, 53rd American master chef as he was in his trainings. And, you know, I've always been able to surround myself by working with fantastic talent. Um, that, that pretty much goes anywhere. And, and, you know, I can probably go down the names of the who's who's that are on the celebrity page of every magazine for food and beverage these days. But that's pretty much how I got to be what I was able to do with my talents. All right. We'll go into a little bit of rapid fire here and just ask you some food questions. What is your favorite thing to cook? I like to have a little bit of home cooking, but I'm always a person who loves to hit spicy foods. I find that finding ethnical items that are emerging are exciting so I, I like to find a, a a new cultures version whether it's bulgogi sam sauce um, srirachas and togarashis back before they were actually a thing of today i can remember seeing these 10 15 years ago and i i get excited about those spicy things as a matter of fact i tend to find my comfort in going to my local thai restaurant and having a nice spicy thai basil chicken what is the most difficult dish you have ever prepared? I think sometimes the more delicate the item, the more difficult it gets. Um, over the years, I found that as items are freshly procured, the highest level grade item, it tends to, to command a little bit more excellence every time because you don't mask it with multiple different things. You're, you're really letting the natural beauty come out. 
Um, most recently, I think one of the things that I was most challenged with as far as cooking, because I felt like I, I really needed to make sure that it was at its perfection, was a recent uh, procurement of traditional Wagyu beef from Japan. And when we're talking about a piece of meat that can be upwards to $700 a pound, we're talking about something that you have to have a real delicate, precise handling to make sure that every single aspect of that animal was produced in the best way so that you can really appreciate it. Do you have a favorite memory as a chef growing up? Do you have a favorite day or dish or uh, event that you cooked for? As a chef, I'm always looking for new experiences. And um, I think the biggest thing is normally when someone's brought me genuine hospitality, that's when my my meals have been most memorable. Uh, it could be a simple meal that a, a family member made with heart and soul to being out in New York and being treated to an experience of 18 courses and 21 wines, but yet it was a genuine hospitality of someone's heart putting onto the plate and into the meal that made it the most memorable. I think, you know, I have childhood memories many years of, you know, my parents or my grandparents and just a simple item prepared to perfection. That's where, that's where I got most of my inspiration. And that's what I instill with my team members is a lot because being that I have a, a large organization that we could we can have over 800 employees working at one time simultaneously to try to accomplish the same uh, goal of having satisfied uh, memorable experiences every time someone comes out, the idea is that you have to put a little bit of personal touch to it. And that's not changing a recipe per se, but it's really about putting all the passion and care into every item we put here at the ballpark that could be a chicken tender and a french fry or this could be you know, a foie gras or a caviar or you know the wagyu items that we brought in the point being is that the passion has to translate onto the plate or into the item and most of the team members are very great to to do that because if i've cultured them in a way where they feel as if they're guests are in front of them or their family members there and it's a great experience that's what kind of changed our organization so much dramatically in the short time that we've been here is that there's a lot of natural genuine hospitality in our organization so that would i guess be your take-home message then not only is the food going to be very good but the hospitality is going to be top-notch absolutely you know we've we've gone through great strides to make sure that not just the food but the whole journey, the whole experience is really something that you, you leave the park saying, wow, this is amazing. I didn't know a ballpark could do this. I didn't know an organization can rise to that level. And it's, it's been great to see the whole change from start to finish here. And, and as we get to opening day, it's been a labor of love. Uh, it comes with hard work, but the reward right now of being able to see fans really satisfied for what they're they're going to experience here executive chef michael Fenizia, thank you so much for joining us on the beyond the basis podcast i cannot wait to try some of the new culinary items at marlins park in 2019 thank you again and we look forward to having all of our guests in our spaces
As good as all that food sounds, I can promise you it tastes even better. Thank you to Chef Michael Fenizia for taking the time to chat with us, and thanks to him even more for bringing a new culinary experience to Marlins Park that the fans can enjoy this season. All right, quickly, some news from a podcasting perspective before the games start. Throughout this season, we will have interviews with players, front office personnel, and coaches on a bi-weekly basis, but we'll also be doing deep dives into the lives and professions of ballpark staff. You'll get an inside scoop on field work from grounds crew workers and take a trip down Marlins memory lane with some of our longest tenured employees. Kyle Selaff will also be producing a post-game podcast wrapping up every game of the Marlins 2019 regular season schedule, so be sure to be on the lookout for that as well. Marlins fans, we cannot wait for you to join us on this ride, and Dave, Glenn, Kyle, and I look forward to seeing all of you at the ballpark this season. Check back two weeks from today to hear from veteran outfielder Curtis Granderson for our first Beyond the Bases player interview of the regular season. 